Good morning, everyone. I'm Pastor Mark, and this is E3, and we are going through the the book, or technically the letter of of uh, Colossians, and uh, we've already talked a bunch about about. Uh, the time change, but if you've been on Facebook, I'm sure you've you've seen what I'm about to show you. But it struck me funny about about the time change. Uh, I'm a big fan of, of daylight savings time, but but this this made me laugh. So uh, when told the reason for daylight savings time, the wise Native American said, "Only the U.S. government would believe that you could cut a foot off the top of a blanket." Sew it on the bottom and have a longer bank blanket. <laughs> all right, so we all know that the day isn't any longer, but what we all can, we all pretend it is, and uh, we get extra daylight, and it's all fun. So, will you guys pray with me before we uh, dig into Colossians this morning? Dear God, just thank you for just this time that we get to spend together the precious gift that it is to open up your word. God, I just pray that it'll just uh, spark something inside us that will, will really transform the way we think, how we interact in this world. God, I just pray that this will be a, uh, just a, a holy day, a day set aside for your purposes. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So as we've been going through the book of Colossians, that, that we've really talked a lot about how it is a book of connections and how Paul had never actually gone to Colossae, and, uh, but that's one of the beautiful things about, about the body of Christ, of how, how things that we do uh, can touch lives that, uh, that we never meet. And the reality that, that we are all experiencing a richer faith because of the people who came before us, and hopefully those who come after us, uh, that they will experience a richer faith because of what we do today. So we're going to be continuing along in that journey, and uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 18. Now, the interesting thing about today is I don't think that there's going to be really anything uh, revolutionarily new today, but that's okay. Uh, this is one of those days that I just think is a, is a great reminder about, about what it means to be a follower of Christ and really what it means to interact with in our families and in our workplaces and by extension really in the world. So, uh, Paul starts off in, in verse 18, really touching on uh, a, a subject that we just spent a whole series in, in Nuclear Family, and just really talking about the family dynamic. And this is what he writes. He says, wives, submit to your husbands as it is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Now, that word submit, and we went into a lot of depth in uh, Nuclear Family during the series uh, uh, during this. And if, if this is something that, that is new or you weren't there for that series, I'd really encourage you to go on Vimeo or go on our podcast and kind of catch up on this uh, just really great discussion on what it means to have a biblical household. Um, but as he's talking here, this, uh, this idea of submit, think of it more as, as showing deference to or, or having respect and, and, and really honoring 
your husband. So wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and, and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents. Children, always obey your parents, right? For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Did I say children, always obey your parents? Yeah, okay. That's, that's the key verse here, right? Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. And during nuclear family, uh, I introduced a graph, uh, not a graph, uh, a graphic to you that kind of graphically represents the idea of, of how a biblical family works and the idea that Christ is in the center and and the the wife, mother, the father, uh, husband, and the and the child all revolve around Christ. And this idea that that we are constantly trying to be drawn to be more Christ-like, and by doing that, we we have this incredibly stable and uh, stable relationship of the family. And you know. These instructions, especially as we talked about it in Nuclear Family, just to, just again to touch base, that this is this is God's instruction to us on how to be how to be blessed people, how to uh, live blessed lives in a cursed world. You know this idea that that you know we don't live in a fairy tale world. We don't live in a, in a perfect place. You know we. We live in a place uh, east of Eden where, where there's death and there's arguments. Sometimes there's divorce. That, that there are, are families that look very differently than, than really the, the, the ideal that, that many of us hold up. And, but this graphic and this idea of biblical family, you know, it... it it goes beyond genetics, you know. It become, goes beyond just biological, just uh, offspring, you know. Uh, that that it also works for blended families, for families uh, uh, that have been, you know, thrown together. You know, I hear stories every so often, you know, about about how families uh, who come together they have such a a difficult time. Maybe the the stepmother doesn't treat the 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 stepdaughter um, or stepson like she treats the other kids, or or maybe that you know the stepchild doesn't treat her with respect or or honor and and different things like this. And and really, what we see here is this idea that you know what how we're meant to respond to one another is is. Uh, around Christ and being drawn closer to Christ and our family unit going around. It doesn't matter if it's uh, in, in how we respond to one another, if, it, if, if, if it's a biological family, but it is how to live as blessed people in a cursed world, in a world that is, that is broken and messy. And then we have this beautiful picture of, of what it really looks like to be a biblical family. Most of our time today, since we just spent a whole series on the family, is really going to be talking about the workplace, though. And uh, how do we 
uh, as followers of Christ? How do we as, as Christians interact in the workplace? How, how are we to be Christian or employees who are great ambassadors of Christ? And how are we to be employers who are great ambassadors of Christ? And Paul continues on in verse 22, and he's talking about slaves and, and masters and things like this, which was very prominent in the, in the first century. And, and Paul is not trying to condone slavery here, but he is, he is speaking in the reality of the first century. And the reality of the first century it was that there was about half of the Roman Empire's population was in some sort of slavery. And so this was a very common practice. But for our purposes today, even though there isn't a one-to-one parallel between uh, slavery and, um, and just being an employee, even though we may think that sometimes, uh, that, that, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely different and it's not the same thing. But, all, but there are a lot of uh, principles that, that we can draw out. So let me read the Scripture Slaves or employees, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. But if you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. And then chapter 4, verse 1, Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember that you also have a master in heaven. And I think it's so important just right off the bat to realize that 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 work is a blessing. It's part of the blessing. In Genesis chapter 2 in in verse 15 that that we are told that the Lord God placed man in the garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. Now, Chapter two, uh, the the curse with Adam and Eve didn't break their relationship with God until chapter three, and what we have is, you know, what that that work is part of the blessing, and in actuality, that this you know this lure to uh, not have to work is is actually part of the curse. A lot of great things happen through our work, especially when we approach work as if we are not working for the employer, but we are actually working as ambassadors of Christ. You see, when we, when we go to our work and, and, and we, we go as an ambassador of Christ and, and we obey you know, our, our employers and we do all the right things to... to uh, to bring, reflect well on Christ, that we transcend really what, what, uh, what we're actually doing and bring great meaning to our work. And we'll get more into that, but there's been 
a lot of research about how work is actually good for you and how it brings a lot of value to your life. And there's studies and tons of studies out there. Work, when you go, when you go to work, no matter what kind of work it is, that, that there, this is a high calling, that it gives, us, it gives us purpose. It gives us the opportunity to use our creativity and problem-solving skills. It, it gives us the opportunity to connect with people and, and build kind of our sh- social network. And it's interesting that, um, that the mortality rate, study after study has shown that the mortality rate for those people who, who don't work uh, in, their, in their quality of life is much lower than those who, who do have a job either paid or volunteer. And what research has come up with is that unemployed people um, are more likely to suffer from depression and anxiety and leading to poor health uh, kind of choices and habits, such as excessive drinking and smoking and lack of exercise and a sedentary lifestyle. And, uh, and also the fear of, of uh, continuing unemployment and just kind of being outside of the social contract you know, the social contract that, that, you know, I, my contract with you is that I'm going to be positive uh, contributor to society and your contract with me is that, um, uh, that you're going to, you're going to be a positive influence uh, in society. And this is kind of the social contract that we live in. And when we are both upholding that, we have higher self-esteem, but being removed from that social contract, we're removed from the place that we go to work and we are removed from being able to use those creative juices that all of these, these negative things start to happen. And as Paul breaks down in this idea of, of, you know, slaves, but in our case, employees, that, that he's like actually giving these, these really just uh, concrete things that we can do as, as employees to bring glory to God. And through these ways that, that there are many, you know, just kind of things that, that are counterintuitive, that go, go against our cursed nature. First one is that what he says is to obey our employers, to obey the people who are over us. Now, obedience is a hard skill. You know, uh, you know it's natural for us not to want to obey because, you know what, if we kind of understood the situation and, and all the complexities and, and, and agreed with what our employer was telling us to do, and so we, do, we would go and do it, that's not obedience. That's doing what you would do otherwise. Obedience is actually going against something that, you know, you, you think you should be doing one thing and your, your supervisor tells you to do another and you don't you don't see it at the same as them, but you go and you obey anyway. And I'm not talking about immoral things, obviously, or illegal things, but I'm talking about like if you're, if you're you know, working over here and your boss says, hey, I need, you to, I need you to go and wash the windows really quick. 
you know, you're like, what? That's not in my job description or, 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 or what? I, you know, that's, it's not my week to, to wash the windows or, or, or you know, do whatever. And in, instead of like getting all the context that, you know what, the, the CEO's coming and we need to, you know, straighten up and all this, just saying, you know what, as an ambassador of Christ, my, my supervisor has told me to change direction and to do something else, and it's not illegal and it's not immoral. And you know what, even though I don't understand it, and even though I don't agree that this is the best use of my time, he is my employer, and I'm going to obey. The next thing he said was to try to please, to actually try and please your employers. And the reality is that, that we as employees can play all sorts of tricks on our employers, right? That we can be passive-aggressive in a whole lot of different ways in order to, to make our employers crazy, but, but they can't really pin it on us. I mean, we can, we can be hard on, on our equipment, right? And, and, and it breaks. Oh, eh, equipment breaks. Or maybe we can just kind of drag our feet a little bit, you know, and just go at, you know, 95% instead of 100%. And not only, you know, only giving them, not giving them their full day's uh, work. Or, you know what, those of us who've been blessed with a flexible schedule kind of abuse that. I mean, there's all sorts of ways that, that we can do that, but none of these things are worthy of our calling as, as followers of Christ. In fact, we should be doing the opposite, that we should be looking for ways to bring value added to in our employers. We should be looking for ways to please them. And um, because what we're doing is a much higher calling than, than just uh, earning a paycheck, that we are on the mission field, that we are out there and we um, are connecting with people as, as, as women and men of Jesus Christ. The next one that Paul talks about is that work is actually worship. That Evan in the, in the green room, and I talked about this last week, that we are always leading worship. And for a follower of Christ, again, it is much, uh, it is, we have a much higher calling than what we are just actually doing. Andy Stanley uh, wrote a book about about just kind of our high calling at work, and he tells a he tells a story about a guy who uh, whose job was uh, cleaning porta potties, and you know not a glamorous profession by by any stretch of the imagination, but him really saying, you know what. That I, I, this is going to be my act of worship and my more work. And, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a, you know, the best placed air freshener that I can. I'm going to make sure that there's, you know, toilet paper in there. And it's, you know, I'm going to clean all the, the, the riddles and jokes and everything off of, off of the walls. And it's, you know, and, and you know what, when people uh, go into my porta potty, that, that, you know what, that they're going to know that somebody, you know, is, is working for a higher calling. And, and that is, is, you know, as we go to our jobs, you know, if it's, you know, 
the assistant to the governor or if it's, if it's cleaning porta-potties that, that, you know what? Our true mission is to be ambassadors of Christ, that this is our mission field. I mean, think about it, that, that we get to spend 40, 50, 60 hours a week with people. And in, in one sense, you know, that can, that can be very, you know, very difficult to uh, interact and everything. But also, it is a tr- prime place where, where you can interact with people. And if you have truly submitted yourself to Christ, that, that you know what, when those stressful times come, you guys don't know about stressful times at work, do you? No, no. You know, you can always tell when the stressful times come, when budget cuts are coming or when the deadlines are, are coming up and, and people are taking shortcuts or, or they're doing immoral or illegal things and you say, you know what, I am here for a higher calling. That I, I'm here as an ambassador, as a representative of Jesus Christ and it is during those hard times where people are behaving as trying to, for self-preservation that your calling can really shine and say, you know what? You know what? I get a paycheck and that's wonderful, but that's not why I'm here. I'm here because work is a blessing and you guys are my mission field. And that transcends all of that and it, and it directs your behavior. Now, the other side of that is if your Christianity is a farce, if your Christianity is you've built a facade, you know what? It's impossible to keep a facade up for 60 hours a week, 52, time, 52 weeks a year in stressful situations, right? That at some point, that facade's going to crack. And then... If, you, if it cracks and, and, and your true life is exposed, the person that, that Jesus came to die for is exposed because your life in Christ isn't real, then you've had the opposite effect for the kingdom. So it's, it's, it's essential as ambassadors of Christ that, that we interact with people on, on a real level, but it's also essential that, you know what, we have submitted our lives to Christ because that's the only way that it works. Because when those stressful times come and, and your carnal nature wants to take over, if it's uh, unsubmitted, if your nature is unsubmitted to Christ and you have not been transformed by a living relationship with Him, that you will not be a great ambassador of God, that work will not be an act of worship. And then finally, he's for employees, he says, work for an eternal reward. And again, we're not working for a paycheck. And, and, and our eternal reward is, is much higher than, than whatever, you know, getting employee of the week or employee of the month, or the, or the special parking spot, or, or trying to, you know, beat out this other person for, for a promotion. No. You know what? 
we can't, as, as Christians, get bogged down by, in the pettiness of the workplace, that we need to transcend it. And the only way that we can do it is to say, you know what, my, I am here for a larger purpose. One of my, uh, my favorite commercials, I believe it was in the 80s, maybe the 90s, uh, uh, was Hebrew National. You remember those commercials, the Hebrew National, where uh, Hebrew National, they make uh, hot dogs, and in the commercial, they're like, the government says that, you know, we can put, you know, pig snouts in our, in our hot dogs, and the government says that we can use artificial fillers. You guys remember this? Yeah, and the government says this, you know, about our hot dogs, and then they raise up into the clouds, and then they say, but we answer to a higher authority, right? And yeah, sure, you know what? It may be legal or maybe socially acceptable to put pig snouts in and, and filler in, 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 the, in the hot dog casing of our workplace, right? That's worth an amen from somebody. Come on. I know we're not a Pentecostal church, but all right, thank you. But we answer to a higher authority. And just because it's legal or acceptable to do so doesn't mean that it is right for a follower of Christ, right for an ambassador of Christ to interact with people in the workplace that way. All right, employers, you're not off the hook. Employers, Paul basically tells two things, be just and fair in, in this scripture. And, and, and a Christian employer has a high calling to uphold the, uh, you know, the, the morality and righteous characteristics of God. I heard a famous CEO uh, make this statement, and it's about as far away from what a, a follower of Christ who's an employer should be like. This famous CEO said, keep your employees unbalanced so they never get leverage against you. I mean, that's the, that's the ugly side. When, when it gets all boiled down to short-term gain and, and you're willing to be ruthless to make it happen. Another CEO, Great American Corporation, said that, that he loves public hangings, talking about uh, uh, disciplining his employees, because it, it's a great lesson of what's going to happen if another employee messes up. This is not how an ambassador of Christ who's been entrusted with the blessing of, of being an employer acts, that Ultimately, your soul has more value than your stock. And as a representative of Christ, you don't have the luxury to take shortcuts in your faith for short-term temporal gain. That, that you have been called as 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 a leader, as, a, as an example of what it, what it means to be 
an ambassador of Christ in the marketplace, in the workplace. And yeah, are you going to be going against some ruthless CEOs? Absolutely. But again, you know what? We have been called to something more, something greater. And then the second thing he says is be fair. Fairness is an interesting uh, uh, kind of idea. Everybody has a different idea of fair. And and if you've ever had kids, you know, fairness is is very arbitrary. Really not really. Uh, I mean, fairness is just, you know, if I want it, it's fair that I get it kind of thing. And uh, one... I'm going to tell you a story, and it's the reason that I'm never invited to teach at parenting conferences. Um, uh, You know that show, uh, uh, Kim Possible? Remember that? That's a great great show, Kim Possible and and her sidekick, Ron Stoppable. And we used to watch watch this show all the time, and there was this uh, old coach. It was like in a high school, and there was this coach who was like this old military guy, but he also had something to do with curriculum and everything. I mean, it's a cartoon, right? So, I mean, I, I don't know, but he had the flat top and he had the barrel chest and, and everything. He looked like kind of a Marine kind of thing. And, and the kids would say, uh, you know, hey, that, that's unfair. And he would, he would always say that, that he is working in unfairness into all the school curriculum. Right, and I, you know, and I, that's something. Again, this is I tell my kids. You know, they're like, it's unfair, and I'm like, I'm working unfairness into all life, you know, decisions when it comes to you guys. You know, just I, I mean, fairness is kind of this this moving target. Fair to who? What does fairness look like? And it's interesting. Jesus tells an interesting story about fairness, and uh, and really how it relates to the kingdom of God. And, and it's kind of interesting. Usually, you know, these temporal uh, stories, uh, parables, are, are about, about earthly, or the subject matter is earthly things, right? But it, it's really about heavenly things. And this parable is definitely about the kingdom of heaven. And, and, but we're actually going to go backwards on this, on this parable. We're going to learn about the kingdom of heaven, but we're also going to learn about the workplace. And, it, and this parable is found in Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 1. And it's a very interesting uh, parable on the idea of workplace fairness. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon... He went into town again and saw some more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one has hired us. The landowner told them, then go out, enjoy the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last worker first. So the guy's 
who came in at 5 o'clock, that they, that they were going to be paid first. When those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those, hired fir- when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people only worked one hour, and yet you've paid them as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat, not just the heat, the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go fly a kite. No, take your money and go. I wanted to pay the last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do, with, do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? It's an interesting parable, right? And, and I think it, it actually it digs at this whole idea of fairness. And, and this parable is trying to communicate what? I mean, basically, it's trying to communicate that, that you know, Billy Graham can work his, his whole life doing great things for the kingdom. And, and another person who's at one of his crusades can accept the Lord, walk out of the, the, the theater or whatever, and get hit by a bus and basically get paid the same thing, right? That they get to be an eternal presence of God, you know? And Billy Graham's all like, what? You know, but Billy Graham wouldn't do that. But because but, he gets this parable. I'm sure he's taught this parable a zillion times. So, but, but that's the idea of like, what? You know, that doesn't seem fair. All right. That's the heavenly thing. Let's, let's bring it back to the earth. I know this is kind of backwards of what we usually do in church. But, but you know, this idea that, wait a second, as, as employers and employees and this idea of, of, of fairness, you know, number one, for, for those of us who work for somebody who, who owns a business and they've, they've made an arrangement with us, that's their prerogative. If they want to... If you agree to, to working a certain amount of hours, no matter what the temperature, that, that, that's your agreement. And, 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 you know, what is fair is the, the agreement that he has made with you. And, and it's not, you know, and to let, you know, petty bickering and stuff come in, if, if you know, if somebody else gets a bonus that, that you didn't get or something like that, that... You know what, for those of us, this is what the world squabbles about. This is what the world breaks relationships and brain. Well, if he does that, I'm going to do that and everything. That's not how people of God, that's not how ambassadors of Christ interact. Now, employers, you know, what is fair? Well, from here, you know what, at least what I can, what I can pull out, what is fair is doing what you said. That, that if you... If you tell your employee, hey, you know what? I will pay you this certain amount of wage at this, at, at this time, that you do that. If you say, you know what? You're going to get this day off or, or you're going to get this benefit, then you, that, you fulfill your word. And, and that is 
you know, your contract as an ambassador of Christ, that is your word, and that is what you do. You know, there's a, there's a, but again, it's your resources, and if you don't want to do it, then don't. And I think what we have here uh, illustrated in Colossians, and, 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 you know, you can even take it out of the marketplace and, and you know, teachers and students and, and things like that. You know, the principle is the same, that, that you know what? We interact with each other, and we go out into the world, and when we go out to the world and we, and we proclaim that we are followers of Christ, that, that our mission is much greater than what, what we are just temporarily doing here on earth that we have been called to a higher calling, a higher purpose, and that, that our interactions should be uh, as leading worship to our God. And we should live lives worthy of His name. Will you guys pray with me? Dear God, just uh, thank you for this day and just kind of this reminder of, of interacting with with uh, family members and, and employees and employers and teachers and other students that, that we uh, just have a much higher calling. And yes, we can maybe technically, socially uh, have a bunch of garbage in, in our lives, but you have called us to so much more than that. You've called us to live lives that are illuminated and overflowing with your blessing. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.